You are listening to a sermon podcast from Kingdom City. We pray that over the next few moments, you will be blessed, equipped, and empowered to bring the reality of God to your world. Can we give a warm welcome to all the beautiful people in Butler right now that are watching us? And also a huge welcome to all the incredible family in Canning Vale right now. Give them a big hand as well. And for the first time at 5 p.m. in our own building, all the incredible people in Mandra. Our pastors have already done an incredible job uh, starting this series, but before we take our seats, I think it's really uh, incredible. Mandra next week is going to three services, 9, 11, and 5. So, so everyone together, everyone together lasted one week, which is good. Uh, and, uh, and Butler next week will be in the school, and then the following few weeks we're joining with Wangara. And so all the Butler people, hang in there strong, because uh, your building is on the way, and all the Butler people said... There's quite a few Butler people here in Wangara tonight. And, uh, and everybody in Mandra, Wangara, and Canningvale who love their building said... Amen. Amen. So uh, we're so grateful. So why don't we stand in every location? Let's just pray. Father, we're so honored, we're humbled, we're in awe of you. I thank you that, Lord, there's joy in your house tonight. And Lord, whether people are here for the very first time and they're visiting and checking it out or whether they've been on the journey, Father, we just pray everybody leaves blessed, touched, encouraged tonight, that, Lord, it would actually have this incredible compounding impact that no matter where they are on the spectrum in terms of the week they've had, Lord, whether they've gone through highs or lows, God, Lord, I thank you that the unifier tonight will be you, your word, your presence, and your people. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Right across the earth, everyone said, Amen. Amen. Uh, You may take your seats, and I want to encourage you, uh, as per City News, to ensure that, uh, you, you know, as many people as came to conference this year have already signed up for conference next year which is crazy because it's 12 months away, over 8,000 people have signed up, so make sure you don't miss out. Uh, And Greenhouse, I think globally, I just got told today, it's almost 500 applications globally. Now, out of that, Perth is about 190 or so, which is double what we had this year. So it is really exciting. And, um, and, And Pastor Bruce in Butler, Pastor Mark in Wangara, Pastor Julian in Canningvale, and Pastor Jono, for the first time, they kicked off our series last night and this morning, Revival in Our Finances. And uh, yeah, I know there's a sort of a muted amen because we're not sure what that looks like. But um, I know that in this house, there are people who are um, been on a journey and trying to work out how this all fits. But if we really want God to breathe, which is what he did in dust and he made a man, if he wants to breathe in our, how many would love a revival in their marriages? How many would like to be married? Revival in our dating. All right, all right, okay. Revival in our, in, our, in, our, in, our, in our spiritual walk. Everyone wants revival in every area. But, you know, sometimes there's confusion around this. But let's just read one verse to just clear up the, 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 the rubbish around God wants us poor business, which exists in some mindsets. It says in 3 John verse 2, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things. Everyone say all things. And be in health just as your soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions prosper. In other words, here's the writer in Scripture saying, listen, here's the heart of God, that everything would prosper. It does not mean that that we all need to be equally rich. You know, money is not evil. The love of money 
is the root of all evil. Money itself is, takes on the nature of the hands it's in. And, uh, and, and let's just settle this issue from the outset of this series that the question is not about everybody needs to be millionaires or billionaires, although I'm sure that yeah, that would be met with a resounding amen. And we live in wonderful Perth, which is just blessed compared to so many parts of the world. Um, people are like, you know, how much money is too much? I don't know what the answer is, but it's whatever amount replaces your affection and your dependency on God. The minute you're, you know, some people, they love God. The minute God gives them a job, they're not interested in Him. That's already too much, even if they only paid 100 bucks a week. It's not an amount. It's about making sure that money is a servant and not a master, and that money remains a tool in the hand of God. Uh, and, you know, we, we, as a church, we don't obviously talk about it a lot. Jesus talked a lot about, a lot about it through the Scriptures. But, um, you know, being a lawyer and use, having been a lawyer, um, some things, some habits are, you know, hard to die. Um, my wife, who's in Mandra tonight, uh, she's enjoying the new building there. Uh, she was warned by her family that she's marrying a lawyer. She will never win another argument. That is not true. She has won her fair share. I have surrendered multiple times to her sheer beauty. And I've allowed logic to go out the window because she was beautiful enough. I think somehow the sentence is already not making sense. Um, but one of the things lawyers do is that they throw a lot of disclaimers out. Have anyone ever dealt with a lawyer? Lawyers are Christians too. Just law- Lawyers are people too. We should start a teacher. Lawyers are people too. Um, but, you know, talking about a series to do with revival in our finances, uh, there are some people who are likely to get, you know, their nose out of joint, get offended. If you're stingy or selfish, you could be offended. This is my disclaimers, my offensive warning disclaimers. If you're stingy or selfish, you're likely to be offended. If you aren't healed from hurts in relating to finance and church, you could be offended. If you're overly temporal or materialistic, you could be offended. If your view of God is that he needs to make our first world problems go away, you could be offended. This entire list of offensive warning disclaimers may itself make you offended. If you get up halfway through this message because you genuinely just need to go to the toilet, people may mistake you're offended. That itself may get you offended. But if you're sincere and your heart is soft, you will enjoy this whole series. Amen? Okay. So that's just, that's just put you in a no-win situation. You're like, Jesus, seal my bladder until the end of this message. In Mansra and Canningvale and Butler, seal it, Lord, seal it, heal it, whatever you've got to do, deal with it. So that, anyway, never mind. One of the, one of the most uh, powerful statements Jesus made in Matthew 7 was the whole story of the man who built his house on the rock and the sand. And the words that I've emphasized in other contexts is, is still applicable here. He says, he who hears my word and puts it into practice. Uh, then he describes one scenario where the house stood through every storm and another scenario where the house collapsed in the same storm. And really, he differentiated the two houses based on application. Both had revelation, but only one had application. You can hear the word in Butler and Mandra and Canningville and, in, and right here in Wangara, and it's only those who put his words into practice that see the result of a storm-proof life. And the question that we have to ask, you know, and I know our pastors have done an amazing job already kicking the series off, but if this is your first time this weekend, um, you've come at a good time. What does God breathing on our finances look like? And, you know, the the thing about this is the Bible has a lot to say about money, not just giving. 
often in church you only hear about giving. But God does not just talk about giving in His Scripture. He talks about saving. He talks about investing. He talks about spending. He talks about so many other areas of life. And really, my message is very simple tonight. I want to give you, I guess, the four ingredients or four components. I've distilled it down as simply as I can to make it um, simple. And really, I'm going to do something unusual. I'm going to give you all four points straight out the bat. Uh, these are, if you like, our responsibilities, maybe it's our responses, but it's the four parts of this whole, and it's to number one, obey, number two, steward, number three, deny, and number four, trust. That's all. That's, I'm going to take about five to seven minutes to just explain what each of those means, and then really just land the plane pretty quickly. When it comes to seeing God breathe on our finances, these are our four responsibilities, to obey, to steward, to tr- to, to deny and to trust. And this is what essentially they mean. Obey speaks of what his written word actually says. There are some people who want God to breathe on our finances, but they won't listen to what his word says. It's very awkward. One of the hardest things to do is when you're at the altar praying for people in, in all our locations, and I know many of our pastors have experienced this, it's like someone going, listen, I really want a breakthrough in finance. And, you know, as a church, we love everybody the same. We don't have special uh, lines or special hospitality based on how much you give. We don't have a clue. I don't know how much anybody gives. It's not my business. It's between you and the Lord. However... Asking God to intervene in a financial situation where people aren't even obeying him at his word is very hard. What do you expect Pastor Julian to actually do? He's not that powerful. What do you expect Pastor Mark or Pastor Bruce or Pastor Jono or any of our, even Mervin, even Mervin, <laughs> even David Stora, even Phil Ayres. What do you expect us to do? It's like if we don't obey what God's Word says, what wonder are you going to expect us? And it's God's Word. It's not my Word. It's not. So, so there's a responsibility we have to obey. Let me just quickly give you one scripture, which, again, well known, but it, it's pretty clear. Malachi chapter 3, this is God speaking to the nation of Israel. He says, For I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Yet from the days of your fathers, you've gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. And God is like a lawyer because he gives, he answers their questions before they ask him. He says, return to me and I'll return to you, says the Lord of hosts. So far, this is a monologue. But you said, this is God speaking on their behalf. In what way shall we return? Will Will a man rob God, God says, yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? Like, I mean, if you're going to rob God, don't. Well, if you're going to rob anybody, don't pick God. He's pretty unrobbable. If you're going to rob someone, actually, no, don't rob anybody. <laughs> but certainly don't rob God. And, and the sensible question is, hang on, how have we robbed you? And this is what he says, in tithes, which means tenth, and offerings. Robbed you? You mean we, we've been stingy? No, you've robbed me, meaning it's actually God's in the first place. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Here's what he says. Very simple command. One sentence, easy to read, hard to do. Bring all the tenth into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now. God says, here, I'll give you a challenge. In other parts, he says, don't test me. Here, he says, test me. 
And this scripture written 1,000 years ago has no expiry date. Try me now. Try me in 2019. Try me in Wangara. Try me in Canningvale. Try me in Mandra. Try me in Butler. Try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it, I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. You know, we get stories, testimonies, literally continually from people, and specifically in this area, who have actually tried. And here's the thing. I could spend the next part of, I could spend the rest of this message just reading out stories. But more powerful than hearing someone else's story is to get your own. And really, it's, the rest of this is hard until we actually learn that we actually need to obey. Everyone say obey. obey. Now, you wrestle with that. We don't have time to go into it. My message, my purpose tonight is to give an overview. Some of the other pastors may speak into that a bit more. The second thing is to steward. What does it mean to steward? See, I've met people who have gone, well, I bring the tithe into the storehouse, and then they expect everything to have revival in their finances, and yet you don't realize the 90% that, are, that is left over we have a responsibility, and it's called stewardship. Everything is about stewardship. You can't go, well, God, you wave your magic wand. Yeah, he will bless you. He will rebuke the devourer. But at the end of it all, there's a stewardship responsibility. And now to this regard, I want to highly recommend, this could sound like a self-promotion, but I did a financial stewardship course that I spoke of a couple of years ago. And there's 12 sessions, right? It's normally $100. I've asked the guys to make it totally free because it's a bit weird to talk about giving and charge someone. Um, totally free for the next four weeks. So there's a, there's a promo code. If you go into equipping, review more. It'll be totally, if, you, if you type that in, it'll be totally free. And it's 12 20-minute sessions. Now, here's what's surprising to some people. I only spend the first session talking about tithing and the other 11 on stewardship because God has so much to say about how we handle money. It's financial stewardship. It's not a giving course. It's a managing the resource God has given us course based on biblical principles. Now, I issue a whole bunch of disclaimers. It's not financial advice. Nothing you can hear or read or misinterpret will be used against me in any court of law. And I go through all the disclaimers. But really, jokes aside, it's actually there because God has a lot to say about how we manage our money. I talk about uh, saving, I talk about sewing, I talk about spending. That's a good one to buy your wife. Talk about budgets. That was very unfair. Uh, that was just for my blonde, beautiful woman in Mandra. Good debt versus bad debt. I talk about faith and finances, ethics, spirit of God versus spirit of mammon, and a whole bunch of stuff that really will help you. So take advantage of that. The next four weeks is free. After that, it'll go back to $100. Um, it's, that's, that's, that's good stewardship to, to do that. But, but listen, here's the thing about stewarding. Some people just do the tithing thing and forget about the stewarding thing. They obey God, but then they pay no wisdom. And God says, if you lack wisdom, ask. I'll give you wisdom. And God has something to say about saving. Let me give you a couple of thoughts just by way of introduction. Proverbs 13 says, a man, a wise man thinks ahead. A fool doesn't and even brags about it. See, God actually wants you to not just listen. He doesn't want you to throw everything in the offering. And he doesn't want you to throw everything into the shops or into your car. He actually has something to say about learning how to steward wisely. Proverbs 13, 22, verse says, it says, good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. He talks about sowing. Now, people are like, sowing? I thought we already dealt with that in tithing. Sowing is your decision to be generous with what God has given you. If I give away what I owe you, am I being generous? No, I'm being a thief. 
And some people go, well, because what they really want to do is confine all giving to the tithe. And go, I gave to the blind lady here, I gave to the poor lady here, I gave to the poor man here, I gave to the children's orphanage here, and I gave a little bit to Kingdom City, and I gave a little bit to this. And I did it, I did it. And yet God talks about our stewarding being our saving, our sowing, our investing, and our spending. And there's so much he says. He says in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6 and 7, I say this. He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. This is a stewardship issue. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. See, what you keep is what you have, but what you give is what God multiplies. And there's so much in that. And then the third one about denying. Now, this one's an interesting one. What's denying got to do with revival in our finances? Jesus said in Matthew 16, 24, listen to these words. Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, first prerequisite of following God, period, let him deny himself. What does that mean? It does not mean like, I don't exist, I don't exist, I'm nobody. Deny himself is, can you say no to you? Not no to your spouse, not no to your, to your children, not no to your job, not no to your church, not no to your responsibilities, no to you. It's like if you can't say no to you, forget the rest. Take up the cross and follow me. Doesn't even, we don't even get to second or third base if we can't say no to ourselves. And so this is a prerequisite for discipleship, not just finance. And the idea of being able to say no to me is huge. It's like, I want that Tim Tam. No. Can I say no to myself? I want that new shoe. No. I need to have that because I have a friend called the Joneses and I'm trying to keep up with them. No. Can, can I say no to me? If I can't say no to me, I have to have that. I, see, when you, when you can't say no to your flesh... There's, see, I've got some people who, I've talked to people who, they're, they're trying to be obedient to God. They've tried to steward, but they don't know how to say no to self. See, all of this thing catches up if we don't know how to deny. It's, um, by the way, saying no to flesh isn't just avoiding consumption. Saying no to flesh might say, you know what, I need, I need to get up early and take a second job. Saying no to flesh says, you know what, I'm not just going to sleep in till the crack of 10 and uh, believe that God's going to bring revival into my finances. Saying no to flesh has multiple ways. It's not just denying spending. It might be actually working hard. It's the whole idea of deferred or delayed gratification. In other words, I, I could buy that now, but I can't afford it. So um, lay-by is a marketing ploy of the devil that is designed to actually lure you into paying later for something you can't afford now. Now, I'm not actually telling you that shops are of the devil, but I am saying, if you think it's a lot like sin, sin uh, allows you to buy now, but you pay later. And the whole idea of saying no to self, I'm not, look, you put whatever you want to lay by, but can I promise you that if you can't say no, the idea of, you know what, when I can, I will. This is, sounds so unfair and restrictive. But if any man want to follow me, let him deny himself, take up my, his cross, and then follow me. It's, here's a concept. I do a whole session in the financial stewardship course called Living Within Your Means. And that doesn't matter how big your means are. That course goes to Cambodia. That course goes to Africa. That course goes to Europe. It goes to First World Australia. It's the principle of saying no to flesh. There's not a lot of resounding amens, but I'm sure you, there will be when you, when you review that course. It'll, it'll be good for you. I highly recommend it. Here's a thought. There's no verse in the entire Bible that blesses you 
for what you spend on yourself. Wow. <laughs> Ripped off. What? Let me say that again. There's not one promise in the entire scripture attached to anything you spend on you. Not one. Why? Because you just blessed yourself. But there's so much attached to when you give to the poor, when you give to others in need, when you sow, when you, when you, when you, there's so much blessing in the scripture attached to giving, but not one attached to when you give. Well, I give a lot. I sow. I sow to me. Right. That course will do you good. And lastly, trust. Trust. This is, this is a huge part of revival in our finances. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. You know, in all your ways, acknowledge him. This isn't like the Grammys. I'd like to acknowledge the Lord Jesus Christ and uh, all the other gods that have supported me during my career. This is not a token acknowledgement. The word acknowledge is the word know. The root word is to know by relationship. And so the whole idea of Trusting in the Lord with all your heart comes implicit with the implication that we're leaning not on our own understanding. See, if you lean on your own understanding, it's not trust. Trust is only trust when you don't understand. If you understand, it's not trust, it's reason. If I get it, I don't need trust. I get it. It's only when I don't get it that trust kicks in. I have to teach my sons. You have to trust your dad. But he goes, no, I don't get it. I know, that's the point. You don't. You're seven. You'll get it. You know, which son I'm talking about now. You, you know, you'll get it one day. And so in the meantime, the gap between what you don't understand and what you're going to do is called trust. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And by virtue, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, know God. Know him. Know his ways. Know his heart. And he will. He shall direct your paths. Be anxious for nothing. You know, Matthew 6, Jesus talks about it. It says, no one can serve two masters, for he'll either hate one and love the other, or he'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. In other words, you've got to pick which God you trust. You can't trust both mammon and God. Therefore, I say to you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, nor about your body. See, I've taken those things quite literally. Never worried about what I wore until I got married. Never worried about my body until I was about to get married. <laughs> Too literal, but I, at least it was scriptural. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying? In other words, learn to trust God and go, God, I've got to learn how to do this. This is why I worry about clothing. Amen. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I say to you, not even Solomon in all his glory was arrayed like one of these, etc. And he goes on to talk about it. He, he lands on verse 33. I like this. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry. Read it as one sentence. Seek first the kingdom of God. All these things will be added to you. Therefore, don't worry. In other words, don't stress about that. Now, here's the thing. Here's a summary of all four. But the problem is when you omit an ingredient, it doesn't taste right. Or when you leave out a component from the IKEA model, it doesn't taste right. And so if we go back to the whole snapshot of the four, um, yeah, obey, trust, steward, and deny. The real challenge is not understanding these four because I'm sure everybody understands each of them. And I'm not doing it justice in terms of each word on its own, but 
You know, for example, you, you can't obey God and not trust God, and you can't trust God and not obey God. Wow. Th- these things are linked. Th- these aren't dishes on a menu where you pick one. It's actually linked. To obey God fully is to trust God. To trust God is to obey God. Trust is not proved by your amen. It's proved by your amen in word and in deed and in thought as well. You know, um, again, like I said, all of these things are linked. Uh, I remember thinking I obeyed God, but I didn't really trust him. In fact, I dedicate one of the sessions. This, this whole course is worth getting just for the second session, which is my issues with tithing. I mean, like, oh, I'll get it now, right? Just... <laughs> my issues with it. Like, I'll tell you, I, I actually spent one whole session talking about my problems. Really exposed my own heart issues, but still, it was real. I, and, I, and I'm pretty authentic. I tell a few stories on there. But I, I, I thought I obeyed God, but I, but I really was looking for an out. You know, I'd have these internal arguments. Is it about gross or net, about giving to others? Can I include miracle offering in that? And I, it was just my own journey as a child, even as a young adult growing up. And so eventually I, I realized, you know what? I need to, need to trust God and I just need to tithe biblically. You know, recently I heard a story of a guy who, who, who loves God. And there's lots of sincere people that love God all over the world that just maybe have been misused or just mistreated or had bad experiences. But we all got to just you know, grow up and get back to what God says and just believe what he says and not live in our hurt and defeat and wallow in our problems. We just got to get over that stuff. But, but he, was ta- he was, I heard a story about how really his wife challenged him, which is not itself uncommon, but she said to him, they had the, the discussion came about, I only tithe on, 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 on the net. If you don't understand what I mean, don't worry about it. But, but she was like, well, you work out what to pay the tax office based on the gross. So you're working out what to pay God based on the discounts. And uh, all the women who believe God easier than men said, very muted because some of you are sitting next to the problem. And um, my problems in man's role, I got no problems. No, just joking, honey, I love you. Uh, A little bit of humor always loosens the tension in tough, touchy topics. So, Wangara is so full of faith, it's distracting me. You know, I'm trying to explain the fact that these things are linked. You know, you can't be a good steward and not learn how to deny yourself. Part of this is like, you know, okay, well, if I bring the whole tithe to the storehouse and then I learn how to steward, I learn how to be generous, I learn how to save, I learn how to invest. What? I have to live off 70%? This is horrific news. To, and listen, sometimes, you know, we give the millennials a hard time, sometimes very understandably, but other times, unfairly, because I've met some very good stewards who are millennials, and all the millennials said? Yeah. And I've met some really, really lazy Gen Xs and, and baby boomers who just don't know how to deny flesh. And yet, this whole thing is linked. You can't really... If, any denial of the flesh, if it's not linked to stewardship, is actually works. And yet, every one of these things is linked. In fact, often you could look at this. Um, you know, I remember when I, when, I, when I quit law, 
to come and staff and be on a church. I went to one-third of my income, uh, in fact, slightly less than one-third, but the banks don't understand that. So they, were, they weren't feeling moved by the call of God on my life. They still <laughs> apparently wanted the mortgage repayment. Now, during my lawyer days, I bought and sold a couple of houses, and I'd set myself up relatively okay, but it was a big sacrifice. And so the idea of stewarding and denial hand in hand actually became a reality for me. So here's, here's a little thing. I learned to, I had to say, you know what, I would like to get a BMW, um, but I can't really afford it right now, so I'm going to keep my Hyundai XL convertible. It's not a convertible, it's just a hatchback, but convertible sounds better. Uh, but it was debt free. I didn't owe any money on it. It was a little cheap bomb, but it worked. See, there's so much of stewardship that I actually learned from my dad. My dad is actually a wise steward. Uh, So much that I picked up, but even in doing that course, I realized there's so much that people haven't been taught. They just, what sounds like common sense isn't that common or really sense. And so really, the whole idea of me even putting that series together was just to explain some of the simple principles of stewardship about what's good debt and what's bad debt and what's ethics and money and how do I steward this? But a huge part of stewardship was linked with denial. I had to say, no to some stuff. I had to say no to, you know, here's what it looked like. Denial and stewardship for me looked like getting some tenants into my house because I was single and it looked like keeping the little bomb car even though in the golf car park where I was with other lawyers and other clients, my Hyundai XL stuck out a bit from the BMWs and the Mercs and the Volvos and they'd go, where's your car, Mark? I'd be like, over there somewhere and I'd just generically point to where the good cars were. Little would they see my car because it's so small parked between the big SUVs. And, and you know what? It's called good stewardship. It's okay to have a little less, but I had to learn denial. In fact, you might look at the whole thing as four little compartments, but the better way to look at this whole concept, even over these next few weeks, is they're all one big related thing. Obedience means you're going to have to learn to deny yourself. To trust God means I'm going to have to be a good steward. To steward things means I'm going to have to learn how to trust God. Everything is linked and interconnected. It's not four dishes on a menu. They're all connected. They're all working it out. So so my challenge is I've got to go, okay, God, I need to be good at all of these. If I'm going to see revival in my finances, if God is going to breathe on this thing, I can't go, well, I'll just learn to deny myself. I've got to learn to steward well. I've got to learn to trust God. I've got to learn to obey His Word. I can't just go, well, tick, I've done the obedience part. Well, it doesn't really matter how I live. God wants us to prosper in all things just as our soul prospers. And so the heart behind all that you're going to hear from brilliant preachers and great pastors is really going to be touching on different aspects of all of this. I know that me and Jemima have had to say we're praying about our legacy project and we've given substantially to that and to miracle offering every year and it's not the tithe that we divide up it's on top of that so we've had to say okay no to certain things that we would really love right now we'd love to do this we'd love to move here we'd love to go there we'd love to do that and we've just had to learn there's no there's no flowers I need for that there's no ahs I need for that it's just the reality of saying God breathe on our finances and do whatever you want to do but I can tell you there's peace in our home there's joy in our family there's favor on our house there's prosperity and and it's 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 really about saying God I just want you to breathe on every area of my life. Breathe on my relationships, breathe on my giving, breathe on my spending, breathe in my intimacy with you, breathe on my every, everything my life touches, God. I don't want revival to be a Sunday thing. I want it to be an everyday thing. You know, um, when you think about it, and Hardy, you can come up and we can, we'll try and land this thing. Jesus... There's a good man, a hardy, everybody. 
Um, you know, revival in your finance means nothing if your spirit is dead. If you're visiting, you're new, you're one of our locations, and, and, and you don't really know God, what's the point? What does it profit the man if he gains the whole world, but he loses his own soul? And the whole idea of learning how to obey, trust, deny, and steward is something that doesn't just apply to finance, it applies to your own soul. You've got to learn to steward your own soul. You've got to learn to trust God with your mind, your will, and your emotions. You've got to learn what it is to actually deny certain things to your soul. All of this applies to every area of your life. You look at Jesus at the cross, the ultimate model. He obeyed God all the way to the cross. He denied his own flesh. He said, not my will, but yours be done, God. The cross itself was ultimate stewardship by Jesus. His entire life was so well stewarded by God, and he totally trusted. He said, Father, even when you abandoned me, why have you forsaken me? He said, I'll still trust you. I'll still trust you. Everything about your life, no matter what area, obedience to his word and trusting him, saying, God, I want to steward everything you've given me. I want to steward my time, my energy, my resource. I want to steward it with honor. I want to steward it well. And Father, I want to learn how to say no to me because you said if any man wants to follow you, the first thing they got to do is say no to themselves. And, you know, I'd like to tell you that I'm still working on all of them. I'm still working on all of them. But I'll tell you what, God is so good. God is so gracious. God is so kind. God is not there with a, with, a, with a stick looking to beat anybody that's fallen short. God is the absolute opposite. He's a good father. Do you know, if you're believing for revival in your relationships, can I give you a tip? This is for free. Uh, eight of the most healing words in your relationships, if you're fighting with your spouse, I, my spouse and I don't fight. We publicly disagree in a very passionate tone periodically. But if eight of the most healing words, if you want to heal any relationship, I'm sorry, I was wrong, please forgive me. That's, that'll heal your marriage. That'll heal your, your rift with your parents. That'll heal the problem with your kids. That will heal any relationship. I'm sorry, I was wrong, please forgive me. In fact, let's try that across Perth. Look at your neighbor, even the one that, probably the one you have less problems with right now. So just practice. You're only practicing. You're not actually meaning this, you're practicing. Say, so, I'm sorry, I was wrong, please forgive me. That was your chance for those of you who had not broken the ice yet. I'm sorry I was wrong. Please forgive me. You know, not only will that heal your relationships with people, it heals any relationship. You know, when we sin, when we, which people in Mandra don't sin, but us here in Wangara and Canningvale, Butler, we sin. But when we sin, the response is to God, God, I'm sorry. I was wrong, please forgive me. Whenever we fall short of God, you know what repentance does? It becomes the fuel for revival. The greatest revivals on planet Earth in any context, in any century, at any time, in any country was always sparked by genuine repentance. What's genuine repentance? I'm sorry, I was wrong, please forgive me. Whether it's, and, and, and people don't realize this extends to everything, including our, our finances. If you really want to, if you, if, you, if, you, if you want this to have no effect, just add this to the tool shed of messages to which you made no change and you leave going, well, that didn't really do anything for me. And, and you'll be right. But I'm sorry, I was wrong, please forgive me, 
is good for your marriage, it's good for you and God, it's good for you and anybody, it's good for you and yourself. Some of us need to learn to forgive ourselves. Made bad decisions. I made some terrible decisions. I remember in the season of even trying to obey God and I ignored the stewardship side. I got involved in bad investments and uh, I didn't pray. I didn't ask God what he thought of it. I just said, oh, that sounds good. Let's just do it. Wasted money, threw stuff away. And, you know, rather than just going, oh, well, it's mine, I go, you know, God, I'm sorry. I was wrong. Please forgive me. They're just healing words for any area of your life. You've, you've offended somebody in the past. You've hurt someone. You, you're estranged. Listen, this will bring healing because at the heart of repentance is humility. I'm sorry. I was wrong. Please forgive me. Why, why am I bothering with all this in this context? Because it applies to every area of life, including this. God is not the tax office. He's not sitting here. He's not, you're not going to get a bill tomorrow for what you owe him and back paid tithes. You're not going to get that. But the simplicity of heart that says, God, I just want to trust you. Here's the starting point. I'm sorry. I was wrong. Please forgive me. You know, the fights where Jemima and I don't resolve is when neither of us think we're wrong. She'll, she'll work it out soon. He'll work it out soon. And it's only humility that breaks it. And listen, as a church, we love everybody. You're a visitor. You're not a Christian. There's far more important things for you, like getting right with God. But at the end of it all, God breathing on every area of our life, including our finances, is not some monumental journey of self-sacrifice and crazy behavior. It's just simply those healing words that apply to every area of your life. I'm sorry. I was wrong. Please forgive me. And whatever that looks like for you, it's just good advice for life. It's good advice for everybody in every location. In fact, in a few moments, our pastors are going to get up and they're going to give you the privilege and the opportunity of actually saying those words in the context of God with your own soul. God, I'm sorry. I was wrong. Please forgive me. And you know, the beautiful thing is God is not this moody being going, no. He's like, I've been waiting. My daughter, my son, I love you. I welcome you. It doesn't matter what you've done or how far you've been. God loves you enough to take a sincere, contrite heart. He will never turn that away. He will never, ever, ever, ever despise that. He will gladly embrace you. He'll gladly. In fact, before you're done with the sentence, he'll got, he's got his arms around you. That is our God. And that God is a good father, whether you've had a good one or not. I've been blessed to have a great father, but I understand not everybody has. And, and I've, I, I've learned a lot from him because of who he is and what he's done and the way he's conducted himself. And I understand not everyone else has. And that's why there's teaching and, and wisdom around that. And that's why we do this together. But the father in heaven trumps any father experience you've ever had or any father experience you've never had. He's a good God. He's not looking for you to wallow in condemnation. If you leave challenged tonight, that's good. If you leave condemned tonight, wrong, bad. Everybody needs to go, God, I thank you that you're doing me good. And I'm sorry I was wrong. Please forgive me. And then you do whatever you got to do with it. Because I promise you, God's word is true when he says, try me now in this. Try me now in this. What, what would happen if we said, you know what, for 2020... I'm going to give God a shot. I, I heard a story from Wangara recently. In fact, I've heard many. I'm actually purposely not telling specific stories. Our pastors will tell a lot of them over the next few weeks. But, but oh, you know what? I'm sick of all hearing all this stuff. I'm actually going to give it a shot. Someone did it out of being sick of hearing about tithing. They gave it a shot, and the outrageous blessing that followed is a story that needs to be told specifically. It's God saying, listen, try me. You don't have to. 
But try me. What would happen if you said, okay, you know what? For one year, I'm going to put God first. I'm going to learn. I'm going to download that free thing while it's free, especially I'm going to download it. I'll download it. I want to learn how to steward. I want to learn how to trust. I want to learn how to deny my flesh. I want to learn what it is to obey God and bring the whole tide of the story. And I just want to see. In fact, it's not me. It's him. It's his word. Don't try me. I'll fail you. Don't try your boss. He'll fail you. She'll fail you. Don't try the government. They'll fail you, whichever party's in power. Don't try, try God. God says, try me. Try me now in this. And he spoke to a nation in, 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 um, in, in captivity. He spoke to a nation that didn't even have their stuff together. He said, come on, try me now in this. Try me now in this and see if I will not open for you the windows of heaven. And so I'd love us all to stand everywhere right now. And I want us to pray. And again, thank you for being here. Thank you for not walking out. Thank you for holding the fort. But listen, if you want God to breathe on your finances, I just want you with childlike faith just to lift your hands towards heaven, wherever you are, in Mandra, Canningvale, Butler, right here, just as a sign of surrender. You know, I don't know anybody who does not want God to breathe on their resource. Now, you, you might have bigger needs. You might need God to breathe on your health. You might need God to breathe on your relationships right now. You might need God to breathe in other areas, maybe not your finances. But this area is an area that obviously we're dealing with as a church in this season. We're celebrating in Mandra with amazing family there because of thousands of people who've paid a price for that privilege, for that legacy. But just for yourself personally, just for a second, personalize all of this. And God, I, I want you to be in charge of every area of my life. That, that's your heart cry. Just lift your hands towards heaven. Father, we raise our hands just as an external sign of an internal humility that we want to be the target. We want you to shine your light upon our lives. We admit, left to our own devices, we'll mess up our sexuality. We'll mess up our biology. We'll mess up our psychology, our theology. Our economy, we'll mess up our priorities. We'll mess up every area of our life, God. But Lord, that's why you're our Savior. That's why you're our Lord. And Father, you're a good Father and you turn away no one who's willing to come. And Lord, we say to you this evening, I'm sorry I was wrong. Please forgive me. And whether it's, Lord, in the area of spending or, or just bad stewardship or, or hate or hurt or resentment or disobedience or or robbing you, or not being kind, or whatever it is, Lord. We just want to say, we're sorry, we were wrong. Please forgive us. Father, I want to say, I'm sorry for the times that I have let you down. I'm sorry for the times I haven't totally trusted you. I'm sorry for the times I have, in a sense, not denied my own flesh. And Father, I thank you. You have no condemnation over me, but your hands are outstretched toward me right now. And you're outstretched towards every person right now in Butler, in Canningvale, in Mandra, and in Wangara right now, Father. Father, we thank you that you're a good God. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you have never entered into a relationship with Jesus, we want you to know that He loves you very much. So much that He died on the cross for all of your sins that stood between you and God. If you would like to make a decision to follow Jesus today, all you need to do is to repeat this prayer. Dear God, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I admit that I'm not right with you and I want to be right with you. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. I believe with my heart and confess with my mouth that Jesus is the Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for saving me and making me your child. In Jesus' name I pray, 
Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, or if God has done anything in your life because of this podcast, we would love to know. Email us at testimony at kingdomcity.com.